0: This is Partners in Practice, a weekly series dedicated to the evolving field of the advanced practice clinician. Here is your host physician assistant,
1: Lisa DeAndre Linnell.
0: A new year and new CMS changes. What are they and what do you need to know to maximize the potential benefits and stay compliant? My guest today is Betsy Nicoletti, co-founder of Codopedia.com, developer of the Accurate Coding System and author of The Field Guide to Physician Coding. Today, she's walking us through the 2011 CMS changes. Hi, Betsy. Welcome to Partners in Practice. Hi, thank you. Betsy, it's 2011 and time for change CMS style. So help us break down some of the changes affecting medical practices this year, starting with Medicare's new annual wellness exam. What is it?
1: The annual wellness exam is a preventative care visit used to develop a personalized prevention plan for a Medicare patient. You'll notice that they don't call it a
0: physical exam,
1: and none of the requirements for this annual wellness visit include a physical exam.
0: So does this replace the welcome to Medicare visit?
1: That's a great question. No, it does not replace the welcome to Medicare visit. A patient is still eligible only for the Welcome to Medicare visit in the first 12 months of their enrollment on Medicare. So clinicians are going to have to, even though no one liked the Welcome to Medicare visit, that's the benefit that you can still provide for a Medicare patient during their first 12 months of enrollment.
0: So let's talk about that first. So that does include a physical exam, right?
1: The Welcome to Medicare visit actually only includes height, weight, calculation of body mass index, blood pressure, and screening for visual acuity in terms of the physical exam for that visit.
0: And so within the first 12 months, you can do the Welcome to Medicare exam, and then after that, then you can have the initial annual wellness. Correct. And what's included in that?
1: That visit is a very interesting visit, and it's very like the Welcome to Medicare visit. So there are two groups of patients that will be eligible this year for the initial annual wellness visit a patient who has been on Medicare for a long time, past their one-year enrollment in Medicare. So you have a 68-year-old patient. They're eligible this year in 2011 for the initial annual wellness visit. Also, if you had a patient who in 2010 had the Welcome to Medicare visit, they're eligible for the initial annual wellness visit one year later
0: So what you're saying then is there's a subsequent annual wellness exam, but no one is eligible for that until 2012. Correct.
1: And you'll be eligible to receive as the patient the subsequent annual wellness visit one year after your initial annual wellness visit.
0: So when they put together the criteria for the exam as a prevention type of exam, how did they forget the actual physical part?
1: (laughs) Lisa, that is a great question, and I don't know the answer.
0: (laughs) Okay. So how do we bill for
1: them? (laughs) All right. So the Welcome to Medicare visit is billed with code G0402. The initial annual wellness visit is billed with the code G0438. That visit has 4.37 total relative value units assigned to it for 2011. So it's going to pay pretty well. It's going to pay about $160. Any diagnosis code is allowed. And I want to just remind clinicians that these G codes are HCPCS codes. We always think about what we do for patients as a CPT code, which are five numbers. But now we have these HCPCS codes, which start with a letter and then have four numbers. And that still describes what we do for the patient. So what this visit requires is taking or updating the patient's medical and family history, because they may be your own patient, and so you don't need to retake their history. You may just update it. You need to establish a list of their current providers or suppliers of medical care. Once again, what we get for the physical is height, weight, body mass index calculation, or you can do the waist circumference, but I say nobody is taking my waist circumference in the doctor's office, (laughs) blood pressure and other, quote, routine measurements as deemed appropriate. And although a physical exam is not required, I think patients are going to complain if the clinician doesn't examine them.
0: I would have to agree. What about diagnostic tests or labs?
1: All right. Those are covered separately and can still be provided and billed without any modifier. Detection of cognitive impairment, review of the potential for depression based on an appropriate screening instrument, a review of the individual's functional ability and level of safety. And this, I think, is the hard part. You've got to establish a written screening schedule, like a checklist that you give to the patient that says for the next five to ten years what you recommend they should have, according to the U.S. Preventative Task Force. Then develop a list of their risk factors and conditions and what you recommend for them, and you give that to them as well. And then you furnish the personalized health advice for that patient.
0: So this is more of time spent putting together an outline of how they're going to manage their health in the future.
1: That's exactly right. I'm going to quote you on that.
0: <laughs> right. Well, one of the pieces that's missing is the advanced care planning that was removed in January 2011, which seems to go pretty well with putting up this timeline. So what happened with that?
1: The advanced care planning was not included in a proposed rule. There was plenty of discussion about it, but no informed discussion about it. And then it appeared back again in the final rule, which was a surprise to us because we didn't see it in the proposed rule. And then Medicare took it out. And when Robert Gibbs, the press secretary, was asked about it, he said that because of the way it had been put in, there wasn't a sufficient time to discuss it. And they wanted to do it through rulemaking in a more thoughtful way.
0: So it's not completely off the table. It's just being reworked.
1: It is part of the welcome to Medicare visit that with patient permission, you would do advanced directive planning, but it's not a requirement for 2011 in the initial annual wellness visit.
0: I understand. So what if a patient comes in for their Medicare wellness physical and they need a separate service, say a DEXA scan, are you able to use a modifier during this visit and add another service on?
1: You should not need a modifier. You should be able to bill any screening or diagnostic tests that the patient needs, and build this G-code uh, without using a modifier on any of
0: them. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Betsy Nicoletti, co-founder of Codapedia.com developer of the Accurate Coding System and author of The Field Guide to Physician Coding. And she's here today walking us through the new 2011 CMS changes. So, Betsy, let's talk about the e-prescribing program and what is its current status?
1: The e-prescribing program is alive and well and is in effect for
0: the current year. And what are the incentives and how do you collect them?
1: There are a couple of ways that you can report. The most common way is a claims-based reporting, and that means that on a claim form that you submit to your Medicare contractor, you would add on another HICPIC code, like we had talked about, a made-up code, as I like to say, that informed Medicare, your contractor, that at this visit you had prescribed a medication for a patient and sent that prescription electronically.
0: So there are many concerns with e-prescribing, and one of them is that this data is collected in the first six months of the year only. Why is that? So that's correct. In the
1: past, it was the entire year that was used to determine whether you were eligible for the bonus, the 2% or the 1% bonus that Medicare was providing. And they would wait until all the claims were paid. I think they waited until the end of February, and then they took a look at your total claims and said, did you meet the threshold? The threshold started at 80% and then it went down to 50%. So you only had to report on 50% of your office services that were in the denominator codes. So then you get your bonus in whenever, the fall. So now they're trying to decide if you're going to be eligible for a bonus in January of 2012 or if you're going to get the penalty for not using a qualified e-prescribing program. And they want to know that by that midpoint of the year so they can set their systems up.
0: So let's talk about the penalty. Keeping in line with other CMS programs, we have the carrot and we have the stick. So what is the penalty for not e-prescribing?
1: The penalty is a 1% difference in claims payments. Starting January 1, 2012. That is, if you are not a successful e-prescriber in the first six months of 2011, you're going to see a 1% reduction on every single claim that's paid in 2012.
0: Let's talk about a couple other concerns regarding this. One of them is that to get the incentive, you have to write electronically, submit the prescriptions at the time that the patient is sitting in the office. And there are many practitioners who write prescriptions at other times other than during the encounter. Do you see that changing?
1: They have been consistent about the fact that they're only going to count successful prescribing prescriptions that are written at the time that you see the patient. And the services are office visits, some psychiatric codes, I-codes, home visit codes as well. But when you prescribe in between, there's nothing to add that code onto because you're not submitting a claim. So I don't see them changing that in the near future.
0: Well, you were just talking about codes. It's also limited to a certain set of codes, which then limits the e-prescribing bonus to only office-based clinicians. What about other clinicians and practitioners?
1: The societies are up in arms especially the specialty societies, because there are some specialties that really don't prescribe at most office visits, even if they have enough office visits to be eligible. And then there are specialties like hospitalists who don't have an office-based practice. So the specialty societies, the Medical Group Management Association, they want Medicare to make an exception for those specialists. As of now, Medicare has not said that they will. And, you know, maybe all those societies will lobby Congress and Congress will change the law, but currently those clinicians are just going to see that 1% decrease. There are only two hardship exceptions. One is if you don't have access to high-speed Internet because you live in a rural area, or two, I guess this is also if you live in a rural area, if the pharmacies near you do not accept electronic prescribing. Currently those are the only two exceptions to this.
0: What about a medical practice that doesn't have a very large Medicare population because you have to have 10% of your income has to come from those codes? So let's say 8% of your income comes from Medicare patients. Do you then have to take the 1% penalty?
1: As I understand it, it is 10% of your Medicare income has to come from those codes. Okay. So if you're a neurosurgery practice and only 6% of your income comes from office visits, then you wouldn't meet
0: the threshold. So it's just your Medicare. It's not your entire practice and percentage of Medicare. Correct. So what do practices need to be doing now if they're not yet set up for e-prescribing?
1: They need to find a standalone vendor and start e-prescribing. And I think many practices are looking at the bigger picture of electronic health records. And if they're in the process of implementing an electronic health record and they'll have that in place soon, In the first quarter of 2011, then they can probably wait. But otherwise, I think it's time to find a standalone e-prescribing system.
0: Well, the EHR incentive payments are starting now, 2011. Can you break down for us who's eligible to receive those bonuses?
1: Well, I don't like to say this when I'm speaking to a physician assistant, but they have limited the eligibility for the electronic health record stimulus bonus to doctors also some hospitals critical access hospitals but if we're going to talk about part B prescribers unlike these other programs where an eligible professional is defined as physician physician's assistant nurse practitioner etc the electronic health records bonus is limited to physicians so that's the first thing only physicians are eligible second you have to have a program that is certified, and you have to begin using it in a meaningful way. You have to meet the requirements of meaningful use. If you have that, then you need to go on to the Medicare website and register, and in April you will have the opportunity to make an attestation statement that you are using your program in a meaningful way. And then the bonus money is going to come pretty soon, they say, early in the year.
0: So the bonus money will come this year and then it's spread out over the next five years, correct?
1: It is. And the total amount for Medicare is $44,000. And you can begin using a program in 2011 or 12 and still get the whole $44,000. If you don't start till 2013, then you won't get the whole amount.
0: Betsy, where can our listeners get more information about the 2011 CMS changes and about some of the ways that they can get more help with their coding and CMS questions?
1: Well, I hate to refer you to the Medicare website, but it's actually a wealth of information. And if you're looking for information about these programs, it's easy to find on their website and the information is pretty clear. So I would start
0: there. Thank you, Betsy, for coming on the show. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guest, Betsy Nicoletti, for helping us keep up with all of the 2011 CMS changes.
1: You've been listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160. You can download this program and any other program in our library at ReachMD.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening.